John 16. We're going to read from verse 12 down through verse 16 as we continue our series all in the Holy Spirit. One more comment about that. If you don't know what's going on, love thinketh no evil. Don't go digging in trying to find out. Just let it be. You don't need to know. You don't need to know. The last thing we need, let me just say this right here. The last thing we need is a bunch of corner conversations of gossip going on in this church. Do not do that. If you want to know what's going on, you can come talk to me. I'll be happy to, to tell you what I think you need to know when it comes to a given situation. And uh, if your motives are pure, that's fine, but we don't need a bunch of gossip going around this church. Nothing will splinter or hurt the flock of God more than gossip. Amen? So let's not be guilty of that. John 16, let's look at verse 12. The Bible says, I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I, that he shall uh, talk of mine, and shall show it unto you a little while, and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while, and ye shall see, uh, and ye shall see me, because I go to the Father. Look back at verse 13 with me. And let's read that one more time. It will be kind of the theme of the message tonight. It says there, How be it when he, notice the title here, the spirit of truth is come. He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. The title of the sermon tonight is this, The Holy Spirit, Our Instructor. The Holy Spirit, Our Instructor. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this evening. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this topic. And God, again, a topic, a, a part of you that gets neglected by many churches. Oh, Lord, what an important topic. May the Holy Spirit have a key uh, role in our lives. May we, Lord, um, love you. May we glorify you by being in, in touch with the God that lives inside of us, the Holy Spirit, and will allow him to have full rule and reign and to do what he does. And Lord, would you help the message tonight to be one more reason why we submit ourselves to the Holy Spirit so he can have control. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Have you ever been faced with a problem and you didn't know what to do? We've all been there, right? Um, have you ever wanted someone to come along your side who is experienced and, and just explain to you how to get it done? You ever been there? Um, last fall, I was awakened to screams. There were mice running around our house. It was horrible. You say, Pastor, are you afraid of mice? No, but my wife has a deep, tremendous fear of mice. It is beyond what the average woman is afraid of. And so my life was literally put on hold for about four months as I tried to run these little critters out of my house. I called a, a professional over to have him seal up the house. But the ones that were inside continued to breed and we continued to have problems. Um, it was bad. I can't tell you how many times I wanted to curl up in the corner in the fetal position, suck on my left thumb, and pull on my right ear. 
I, uh, I almost lost my mind over this. And my poor wife was in worse shape than I was in. Um, I got to a place where I hated mice beyond anything else in the whole world. And I got to a place where I did not know what to do. I needed an instructor. I needed help. And then good old brother Mike Vara came, come, came running to the rescue. Brother Vara showed up at our house, and he had all kinds of stuff. Well, in my garage, we had sealed off the garage, but, you know, you open and close the garage and take your car in and out. Uh, mice were getting into the garage. They were running up the side of the wall. You said, can mice run up walls? Yes. I learned a lot about mice. They were going up by where the electric panel is and where the uh, wires that run up through the garage into the second floor, the drywall was missing. They were running up the coating of the wires into the subfloor and then terrorizing my family. In fact, it was so bad they had chewed through the coating and probably a couple of them had even electrocuted themselves on the heavy uh, wattage that runs through those um, runs through those wires. But Brother Vara came in, and he sealed off the entire inside of that garage. He uh, sheetrocked the entire area that was open and shut off every possible entry point in that garage. And then he went into my lower floor bathroom, and he took some stuff, uh, and he sprayed in around the pipes. He went into my kitchen, and he pulled out the dishwasher where they had been nesting, and he cleaned all that out. And when he was done, I followed him around, and I learned a lot from him. When he was done, no more mouse problem at the Lejeune house, and we got our lives back. Amen. Brother, Brother Vara became an instructor, a help, to get me through a very difficult situation. Um, sort of in the same way, the Holy Spirit steps in when we're lost, and he walks us through what to do. Now, to the men here, the alpha males in the room, the, the leaders and the movers and the shakers, we know what to do. We got life figured out. We know where to go. We got our money balanced and budgeted. We're, uh, we're headed down the right path, and no problem is too big that our intellect can't solve. But is that really true? Is that really true? God has a way of taking the men who think they know best and throwing the biggest problems into their life to show them you really don't know everything, do you, buddy? And you really can't just rely on yourself. Now, last week we looked at uh, John uh, 14 where uh, Jesus called the Holy Spirit our comforter. Does anybody remember what we said the root word for comforter was? Anybody remember? Shout it out there. Paraclete. He is our Paraclete. And we looked at that word paraclete and we said it has three different meanings and each meaning is its own ocean of awesomeness to explore and study and understand. The first meaning of paraclete or one of the three meanings of paraclete is the idea of being a lawyer or an advocate. Another one we looked at was that the Holy Spirit is an instructor or a teacher. And the third one is the one that the King James translators chose and that is the word 
comforter. He is our comforter. He consoles us when life is hard. Tonight we're going to focus in on the Holy Spirit being our instructor. And I've got to tell you, there's way more information in the Bible about the Holy Spirit being an instructor and a teacher than we will ever have time to cover in a 40 to 45 minute sermon. And so I'm going to jam-packed what I can in here. And I hope that by the time you leave tonight, you will be ready to let the Holy Spirit be your guide, be your instructor, be your teacher through life. Now, life is very difficult to navigate. It's difficult to navigate. Without being able to know the future, there is no way to know how today's decisions will affect tomorrow and beyond. You ever made a comment to your spouse that was seemingly innocent and you were still paying for it a week later, a month later? You ever made a decision at work that seemed innocent enough and, boy, it just turned everything on its head? I had a job uh, through a, a temp agency once. I was making really good money, and uh, it was um, uh, I was doing inventory at a aviation shop on a government contract uh, base. And uh, they had uh, uh, clearance-level areas in there. And so we were in there counting inventory. It was, it was a lower clearance area. In fact, I don't think, even think we needed clearance. But we had to walk past, uh, to leave that warehouse room and to go to the restroom in the, in, the break, in, in, the, in the lunch area there. We had to walk past all these areas that had a fence that was about nine feet tall with a gate with a, a, a keypad or a, a card swipe uh, to access them. They had given us uh, key cards to access into the area of the warehouse we were. And so one day after working there for a couple of months, I walked past a gate and I had the key card in my hand and Curious George bit me in the leg. I reached down and I went, whoop, I wanted to see what would happen. Did I have access to that? Well, it turned red and so I just kept on walking. Well, about 10 minutes later, security called me over. And I was, I was read the riot act. Apparently that was a, an area I was not supposed to go anywhere near. It would have been nice if they explained that to me when they hired me, that you were not to do that. They, you know, for whatever reason, chose not to do that. Uh, about a month later, another individual uh, tried to actually go into a high-clearance building with a buddy of his. And so they decided to cover up any sort of claim of racial ins- uh, uh, insensitivity. So they pulled me over a month after I had swiped my card, and they fired me for having done that. They fired me for having done that. And that's the only time I've ever been fired in my life from a job. And I faced that that day. And uh, i got to tell you, it was a seemingly innocent mistake, but it led to a life-altering effect. And uh, uh, sometimes we make these decisions, and what if we had stopped and said to the Holy Spirit, what would you have me do? Maybe the Holy Spirit could have directed me and guided me from swiping that card there and losing my job. Now... We need someone, we need a life coach, we need an instructor, we need a teacher who will tell us when we have done, uh, uh, when we have done things the wrong way. We need a life coach, an instructor, a teacher who will assure us when we have lived life the right way. You ever made a decision and you're not sure if it was the right decision or the wrong decision? You ever been faced with a decision and there is good, better, and best, and you're really not sure which one's good, which one's better, and which one's best? I remember as a young man trying to decide where to go to Bible college, and I was looking at a few different options, and they were all good schools, and which one is a good school for me 
to go to? Which one's a better school for me to go to? Which one is the best? Uh, uh, and so uh, decisions like this along the way, we need uh, we need an instructor to guide us. We need an instructor um, uh, who will teach us where to go with our life, how to get there, and how to be our best along the way. Now, what if God would leave leave heaven? And come down in the form of a floating cloud. You with me? Come down in the form of a floating cloud. And follow you everywhere you go. And audibly tell you exactly what to do and where to do it. Do you think if you had God in the form of a cloud speaking to you audibly at every turn, do you think you would ever make another mistake again? Wouldn't that be nice? Knowing that that cloud over your shoulder has your best interest at heart. And if you do exactly what he says, he's going to maximize the benefits of your life. Now, there is no floating cloud. But there is the Holy Spirit. And while he isn't floating over your shoulder, he's living in your chest. While he's not speaking to you audibly, if you will stop the flesh living and start submitting to him, he'll speak to you through your spirit. I woke up one morning a couple of weeks ago after having eaten too much at a dinner the night before, and I woke up feeling sick to my stomach. The second I woke up, I thought, boy, I don't feel good. And the Holy Spirit used my thoughts, and he said to me, whether ye eat, or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. And I said audibly, out loud, I know, Lord, I know. That's that voice of God that will speak to you through your spirit. Once you tune out the flesh, and you tune into the spirit. Many Christians live their life tuned to the wrong inward radio station. They're, turned into the, they're tuned into the radio station of their own wisdom to guide them through life. We've got to learn how to tune off of our thoughts and our wisdom and our opinion and our life experience and tune into the Holy Spirit and let this inward voice instruct us on what to do and where to go. And uh, we can't have an, uh, a visible cloud speaking to us audibly over our shoulder, but we can have an inward Holy Spirit whispering to us into our hearts and into, through our spirits into our minds, telling us exactly what to do and instructing us along the way. Now, last week we observed and understood the Holy Spirit's role as a lawyer for the Christian, an advocate for the Christian. This evening, let's turn our attention to his role as our instructor and teacher. I believe that if each Christian would make it a habit to rely on the Holy Spirit to help us in our decision making, then we would make far less life mistakes I believe that if we would allow the Holy Spirit to teach us the craft of how to live the Christian life, we would mature to a far greater and far superior walk with our Lord and others. I believe that if each Christian would allow the Holy Spirit to teach him truth, each Christian would have a much deeper relationship with both the living word of truth, Jesus himself, and the written word of truth, the Bible. Let's jump right in tonight and see three ways that the Holy Spirit desires to be our paraclete, to be our instructor. Number one, notice he instructs us on where to go. He instructs us on where to go. You see there Matthew 4.1. You can go ahead and turn over there. 
And we'll be back in, in John in a bit. But tonight is going to be a mix of a preaching and a Bible study. We're going to be all over the Bibles. I would encourage you to turn to the various passages and, and mark them up. Read along and go back and, and study this for yourself later. Um, most people lack real understanding about the where of God's will. They, they, lack, they lack real understanding about the where of God's will more than anything else. Pastor, I have this job offer in another state. Should I take it? Pastor, I, I want to go to college, and I've been accepted in a few places. Where should I go? The, the where of God's will is an impossible thing for a Christian to figure out on his own with his own intellect. We need the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us to instruct us as to where we are to go. Now, um, this also applies to which way we take to work in the mornings and which way we take home from work in the evenings and where we go shopping and where we may eat out uh, a meal or where we go on vacation. You say, does God really care about all of those things? Of course he does. Of course he does. And the Holy Spirit wants to instruct you on where to go, on where to go. The question is, are you going to tune in to the Holy Spirit and let his uh, voice whisper into your heart and tell you exactly where it is he wants to go? Uh, does God care about all of this? Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And if we do not rely on the Holy Spirit to direct us in the little decisions, the little decisions then we're not going to rely on him and not know how to rely on him to help us with the big decisions. My senior year of high school, I was um, surrendered to full-time Christian service, called to be a, in the ministry at age 12 at a camp in Louisiana. And um, actually, I think that year the camp was in Mississippi, but nonetheless, down in the southeast. Um, age 18, I'm a senior in high school, I am got my mind all made up. I am going to Oklahoma Baptist College in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And I was, uh, I was determined that's where I was going to go. You say, Pastor, why were you going to go there? My reasons weren't totally pure. You see, everybody else in the youth group wanted to go off to Hiles Anderson. I didn't want to be like everybody else. I was going to go somewhere else. You say, well, did you get your parents' advice? No, I did not. Did you get your pastor's advice? No, I did not. Oklahoma Baptist College had college days where they flew me out for free and put me up in the dorms. And so uh, uh, I took a, a, a few days off of uh, uh, school, and I flew out there, and I sat down in the uh, uh, orientation meeting with all the other college day kids, and we're all seniors, junior seniors in high school, and Bobby Ross was the president of the college. Bobby Ross walked out, and uh, the very, very first thing he said, this is an odd thing to say to kids at a college day, but the very, very first thing he said, the Holy Spirit took and smacked me right between the eyes. He said, some of you have already made up your mind that you're going to college here and you have not talked to your parents or your pastor about it. And uh, uh, you, uh, uh, you are making that decision on your own. He said, shame on you. And I'm thinking, you're trying to recruit people here and you're telling us that? And man, the Holy Spirit punched me right in the chest. And I said, he's talking directly to me. I enjoyed the week, had a great time, went home, and so I sat down with my dad, and I said, Dad, I was told to ask you where you think about where I should go. But I said, well, since you asked, 
uh, I don't think you should go there. I think you should go to Hiles Anderson College. And I said, but I don't want to go to Hiles Anderson College. I went and talked to my pastor, and he said, well, your dad's a wise man. I would defer to your dad. The rest of that year, boy, did I battle. Boy, did I battle. Through a series of events, God um, gave me a Gideon's type fleets. Made it very clear where I was to go to college. And uh, that's really not the point of the sermon tonight. The point of the sermon is this. The Holy Spirit guided me where to go. It guided me where to go. Um, isn't it funny, you adults that are um, uh, more seasoned in life, I'd say 40 and above, 35 and above, isn't it funny that life's most crucial and critical decisions are made at an age where we have the least amount of wisdom? 18 to 25, we're deciding where to go to college. We're deciding what our career should be. We're deciding maybe who we should marry, maybe. Um, Looking back on it, I didn't know nothing when I was 18. I thought I did. I didn't know anything. By the way, I used bad grammar on purpose for all you grammar people out there. I was fingers on a chalkboard, wasn't I? Um, But that's not just for the 18-year-olds, 16-year-olds in the room, 17-year-olds. That's for everybody. There may be a call that comes in from company headquarters, hey, we want to double your pay if you'll move out to Wichita, Kansas. Just because you're going to get your pay doubled, doesn't mean it's God's will. And if you're tuned into the radio a channel of your own intellect, you may end up moving somewhere God doesn't want you. Now, the Holy Spirit does direct our steps. Look at Matthew 4.1. We see here that the Holy Spirit instructed Jesus where to go. Well, good night. If he, the Holy Spirit's telling Jesus where to take his steps, I think maybe he ought to show me as well, right? I mean, Jesus is God. Look at Matthew 4.1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Luke 4, 1 says almost the same thing. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Who told Jesus to go into the wilderness? The Holy Spirit. He instructed Jesus where to go. Um, Luke 4, verse 18. Luke four eighteen says this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me, he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. So Jesus was sent by the Holy Spirit to heal, to preach, uh, to recover, and to set at liberty. Uh, those were things that the Holy Spirit sent Jesus to do. You say, well, but, but pastor, that's Jesus, and, and I'm not Jesus. Uh, uh, does the Holy Spirit instruct other people in scriptures? Well, turn over with me to Acts chapter 8, verse 29. Acts chapter 8, verse 29. Now, let me show you someone who wasn't uh, a God figure or God in the flesh, 
who was who had his steps directed. All right, the Holy Spirit instructed Philip to go to an odd place. Before we read verse 29 of Acts 8, Philip is preaching in Samaria. People are getting saved like crazy. Revival is breaking out. And a church is getting ready to get started. And Philip is right at the center of it. His daughters are prophetesses. They're helping him share the gospel. They're soul winners. Man, things are happening, moving and shaking. And, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit instructs Philip to go to a very odd place in the middle of revival. Look at verse 29. Acts 8, 29, then the Spirit said unto Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. Well, where was Philip? Philip now is in the middle of a desert. The Spirit of God came to Philip and said, I want you to leave the revival and go to the desert. Now, notice he didn't tell him, when you get to the desert, there's going to be this Ethiopian man. You're going to climb in his chariot. You're going to show him Isaiah 53. He's going to get saved. And then I'm going to transport you out of there. He didn't say that. He just said, go to the desert. Well, I'm having a revival here. Why would you send me to the desert? Don't ask questions. Go where I tell you to go. And when Philip got there, there came the Ethiopian man who had left Jerusalem. No one would talk to him because he was Ethiopian. He had a scribe, Isaiah. No doubt he had read 52 chapters up to that point. He's in the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. Philip climbs in and says, do you know what you're reading? Boy, the Holy Spirit sure does know when to line up our steps with other people. Man said, I don't know what I'm reading. How can I know unless someone explains it to me? He leads the man to the Lord. And the man says, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And he gets down in the water and he baptizes. And look down at verse number 39. Acts eight thirty-nine. And when they were come out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called away Philip. Who called away Philip? The Spirit of the Lord. Who is instructing him where to go? The Spirit of the Lord. Then the eunuch saw him no more and he went on his way rejoicing. So the Spirit of the Lord brought him to the desert from a revival. And brought him out of the desert after the, the, the witnessing had happened. It's, you say, Pastor, there's Jesus, there's Philip. Come on, you got to do a little better than that. All right, turn over to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. The Holy Spirit not only instructed Jesus, not only instructed Philip on where to go, but he instructed Paul on where not to go. On where not to go. Look at Acts 16, verse number 7. It says there, and, and they were come to... Uh, Mice, you know, keep in mind, Luke is writing this about the team accompanying uh, uh, Paul here. And they uh, were come to Mysia. Uh, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the spirit suffered them not. Who stood in the way and said, you are not to go there? It was the Holy Spirit instructing him. This is not where you're to go. Uh, uh, let's continue to read verse eight. And they passing by Mysia came down to Troas and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, this is so crucial. I hope you hear this right here. Most of the New Testament epistles were written to churches in Macedonia. Corinth, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Thessalonians. Most of these books were written to churches in Macedonia. Now, notice that the Spirit did not give him this dream on where to go until he was first obedient on where not to go. Don't miss that. Sometimes the Holy Spirit says to us, I don't want you there. We push that stop, through that stop sign and go there anyway, and we miss out on this huge blessing of what he would have told us to do and where he would have told us to go had we just obeyed him the first time. Spirit uh, forbade them to go there, suffered them from going there, and they didn't go. Turn over to Acts 21, verse 4. Acts 21, verse 4. Now, we know that toward the end of Paul's third journey, 
or the last stop on Paul's third missionary journey was Jerusalem. We looked at this last week. He delivered an offering to the church at Jerusalem. And had he gone in and given the offering and gotten out, he probably would have been okay. But he decided to go on into the main part of the city where he was just about killed and then arrested and eventually taken to Rome where he'd be killed there. But look at Acts 21.4. We see that the Holy Spirit spoke through other believers and discouraged Paul from going to Jerusalem. Look there, 21.4. And finding disciples... We tarried there seven days who said to Paul through the Spirit that he should not go up to Jerusalem. So these disciples are speaking to Paul through the power of the Spirit, instructing him on where not to go. You say, but pastor, uh, I'm not Philip. I'm not Paul. I'm not Jesus. Can you show me a verse that says that Jesus wants to direct me where to go? Turn over to Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Romans eight fourteen. Should just be a couple pages over from where you are there. Now, this one's pretty all-inclusive. Look here. I'm going to begin reading. I would mark this verse and memorize it if you don't have it memorized. It says there, For as many uh, as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. If you are a son of God, then the Holy Spirit is to lead you on where to go. Where to go. He wants to instruct you in this area. But too, too many Christians have him too tuned out. And they're tuned into their own wisdom and guiding and leading. And over here you have a treasure trove of wisdom that is infinite. And here in your brain you've got a very limited amount of wisdom. That's, that's weak and falls so far short of what the Holy Spirit has to offer. But too often our brain is tuned in right here. This tells us where to go. This tells us where to shop. This tells us where to eat. This tells us where to work. This tells us where to live. And the Holy Spirit's over here saying, hey, I live inside of you and I want to instruct you on where to go, on how to live. And you are totally ignoring me. Tonight, Christian, I want to encourage you, submit to the Spirit of God and let him guide you and lead you where to go. Number two, he instructs us on what to know. He instructs us on what to know. Turn over to 1 John chapter 2. In verse number 27. John is the fourth gospel. First John is toward the very back of the New Testament. If you go to Revelation and you turn back just a few books, you'll find First John. First John chapter 2, verse number 27. It says there, but the anointing... This is a fascinating verse, by the way. In fact, a lot of non-churchgoers use this verse. So I'm going to explain it to you really good here. First John 2, 27. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, speaking the Spirit. And ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie. And even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Wait a minute. Notice here it says that if you're anointed or you're saved, and you've received the Holy Spirit, you don't need any man to teach you. You say, Pastor, then what am I doing at church? Again, a lot of non-churchgoers will point to this verse. Say, I don't need church. I can figure out truth on my own. Now, there is not a contradiction in Scripture here. God clearly, in the New Testament, gives us pastors. And He clearly gives some in the church the gift of teaching. You say, but Pastor, why would God give us pastors... And teachers, if no man is to teach us. 
How does all this work together? Well, let me explain this to you, okay? God can use a pastor or a teacher as a tool to explain the truth, but it is the Holy Spirit that confirms that truth in your heart. You know what the problem is in Christianity today? Too many people follow a man. And in some cases, a woman. To tell them what the truth is. If you're basing your opinion of what truth is off of what I say, that's a very shallow, shallow Christian life. Very shallow Christian life. I am to get up and give you the truth. It is the Holy Spirit's job to press it in your heart and confirm it as true. You could really call the Holy Spirit the quality control. I'm pouring out truth from the pulpit, and the Holy Spirit's sitting there stamping it as, yep, that's true, yep, that's true. Uh, no, that's Pastor Lejeune's opinion. Push that over here. Yep, that's true. Yep, that's true. It's the Holy Spirit's job to confirm the truth. Why? Because He is the Spirit of truth. Notice letter A. His title is truth. And again, we're looking at how the Holy Spirit instructs us on what to know. What to know. John chapter 14, verse 17. We're done in 1 John. Turn over to John chapter 14 and verse 17. We'll see here. And by the way, this is just a small sampling. All throughout the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth. Look at John chapter 14 and verse number 17. We're going to look at a verse in 14 and then 15 and then 16 here. So please turn over there so you can be with us as we go through these. Look at John John chapter 14 verse 17. It says there, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. Notice the title there. The Spirit of truth. Turn over to John 15 verse 26. John 15, verse 26. Notice what Jesus calls the Spirit again. But when the Comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. How many of you have learned through life that truth always wins in the end? How many of you learned that? Truth always wins in the end. Someone tries to sell you a false bill of goods. How many of you here have ever been duped by a vacuum cleaner salesman? Some door-to-door salesman selling you some cheap, chintzy item. How about by a used car salesman? Anybody here ever bought a lemon from a used car salesman along the way? Truth always wins in the end, doesn't it? The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. If you're, we talked this morning about doing the Christian life with the wrong motives. Remember that? How that one day our works are going to be tried by fire. Truth always wins out in the end. Truth always wins out in the end. If you're a fraud and a phony, you will be exposed. You will be exposed. Why? Because the Spirit is a Spirit of truth. Now, you can rely on Him. To show you the way, or you can ignore him. He wants to instruct you on what to know. Letter B, notice, he teaches us truth. When I was, um, let's see, 23 years old, 22, 23 years old, I had six college credits left, and I was getting married in six months, 
and I was entering the last semester of my senior year. And I did not have a dime of money to my name. And so I said to my fiance, I said, I need to go home and I need to get a job and I need to save money so we can get married in six months. And I will come back and I will finish my last six credits in summer school. I made a commitment to myself before I started college that I was going to finish college before I got married. I finished my last class on June 15th, 2007. I got married on June 22nd, 2007. I got married seven days after I finished my last class. I kept my commitment to myself. That semester that I was home, I worked three jobs. I worked at Solo Cup from 11 at night to 7 in the morning. And I'd get off and I'd park my car on the side of the road a little ways up and I'd take about a 45 minute nap. And then I would run to a uh, construction site and I would change into work clothes and I would caulk and, and, and patch and paint. And I would do that up until about 1130. And then I would uh, run over to the Christian school where I had graduated from and I would change into some dress clothes. And I would run in there and I'd teach a Bible class. I'd teach an elementary PE class. I, 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 somewhere in there I would watch the lunch hour and then I would run home to my parents' house and I'd hop in bed and sleep for about six hours and do it all over again. I worked three jobs. And I about killed myself, but I saved up a lot of money for us to get married on. Um, one of those jobs, again, was teaching Bible class. It was taken from one of the assistant pastors, and it was given to me. And I remember I am this Bible college soon-to-be grad. I am full of biblical truth. You little runt ninth-grade boys, you sit up straight and tall. I'm going to tell you a thing or two about the Bible. I remember I gave them their, this is my first time ever teaching, I gave them their first test. And every single student, including the pastor's son, made an F. And I was like, what? You kids are dumb. And my dad pulled me into, my dad was my boss uh, at that job. He pulled me into his office and he said, Richard, there's something you need to understand. Knowing the truth and conveying the truth are two totally different things. He said, teaching is not the display of knowledge. It is the transfer of knowledge. And I said, oh, they didn't tell me that in Bible college. I want my money back. <laughs> my whole mentality toward teaching changed that day. It isn't just enough that the Holy Spirit knows truth. What really matters is that He wants to teach you truth. He wants to take the truth that He knows, which is omnipotent, and He wants to begin to transfer that into your heart and mind. The question isn't, is the Holy Spirit capable of teaching me truth? The question is, will you let Him teach you truth? He wants to teach you truth, Christian. He wants to grow you in the Bible. I'm, uh, many Christians will say, Pastor, I would read the Bible, but I don't understand it. You know that God has given you the Holy Spirit, that if you call on Him and you ask Him while you're reading the Bible and you are willing to work out a little bit, He'll teach you and He'll show you the truth. Look at John 16, verse 13, where we began this evening. It says there, How be it then He... The Spirit of truth is come. He will guide you into all truth. You say, Pastor, I'm reading this passage and I don't understand it. Boy, I face that almost every week in my Bible study. You know what I find myself doing? 
dropping my head and saying, Lord, before I open a book and read what some commentator has to say, before I call someone who knows the Bible well and ask them what they think, will you show me what this passage means? Will you, Holy Spirit, show me what this means? Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 with me. He teaches us the truth of the Bible, but he also, he also teaches us how to discern the carnal and the spiritual. The carnal and the spiritual, both in our hearts and in others' hearts. Have you ever made a decision that was firm and that was serious that was important, that had consequences uh, to others around you, and, and maybe it, it, it began to have a ripple effect, and you step back and you say, I prayed about that, but was it the right decision? You ever had that happen to you? Boy, I know I've had that happen to me, and I've got to come back and ask myself this, did I make that decision out of my own wisdom, or was the Holy Spirit leading me and guiding me in that decision? And if the Holy Spirit has led you, then you have to stick by your decision. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse number 9. It says there, and this is a common verse, but again, I believe oftentimes taken out of passage. But as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, nor neither entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared uh, uh, for them that uh, love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the things of God knoweth no man, but the Spirit of God. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. The Holy Ghost teacheth, uh, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he, know, uh, he himself is judged of no man. For uh, who hath known the mind of the Lord, uh, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So the Holy Spirit wants to teach you how to discern between a carnal fleshly act and a spiritual godly act, a carnal fleshly thought and a spiritual thought. Not only does the Holy Spirit teach us his word, not only does the Holy Spirit uh, teach us what to know when it comes to uh, discerning between the carnal and spiritual, he also wants to teach us the mystery of the gospel. I don't have time to get into it tonight, but Ephesians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, Paul explains that it is the Holy Spirit of God that makes known to us the mystery of Christ. If you don't know how to share your faith with others, the Holy Spirit can help you to understand the gospel and then explain the gospel. Number one, he instructs us on where to go. Number two, he instructs us on what to know. Number three, he instructs us on how to grow, on how to grow. Let me give you quickly here an A, B, and a C. We'll move through this quickly. Letter A, we, we grow on purpose. We grow on purpose. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse number 1. Turn over there with me. We're almost done. Romans 8, verse 1. And most of the rest of the message are going to be in the book of Romans. So please turn over there. Romans 8, verse 1. We must grow on purpose. If you're going to grow, you've got to do it on purpose. Some of you here tonight, you're coasting. You're in cruise control spiritually. The truth is, you're no more godly today than you were 12 months ago. You're just coasting. Yeah, you go to church. 
You, you put in the time. Maybe even read your Bible and you pray, but you're not really growing. Is the Holy Spirit teaching you how to grow? If you're not doing it on purpose, you're not going to grow. Look at Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore no condemnation in them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Notice there that for Christians to walk after the uh, uh, Spirit instead of the flesh, they must choose to do it on purpose. Look down at verse 13. We must make this conscious decision to do this. Look at verse 13. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. You've got to wake up every morning and say, I'm going to take the desires of the flesh and I'm going to kill them. And I'm going to let the Holy Spirit work through me and in me. Look back at Romans chapter 8, verse number 4. Look at Romans 8, 4. Uh, 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 what, what do we gain when, when He grows us? Well, verse 4 says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. God gave Moses the Old Testament law, and through that law, He wanted the people of Israel to be held to a standard where they lived their life to the fullest. And the Bible says here that if you walk after the Spirit, the fulfillment of the righteousness of the law will happen in you and through you. Now, what else happens when we on purpose allow uh, Him, the Holy Spirit, to instruct us in growth? Look at verse 11 of Romans 8. It says, therefore, if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwelleth in you. You know what my tongue is? You know what this tongue right here is? It is poison in its natural state. It cuts, it criticizes, it condemns, it, it tears down, it destroys, it hinders, it hurts. It's, a, it's set on fire of hell, James tells us. But you know what? When I take my body and I mortify the deeds of the flesh each day, then my tongue can become a tool that edifies and grows and builds up and helps and, and, and instructs and, and, and leads others in the path of righteousness. This tongue, which on its own is wicked, can become quickened by the Holy Spirit of God. And He can, from down inside of me, use me to speak and instruct others in how to grow. But you must do this on purpose. Letter, letter A, we see here that he instructs us on how to grow. We grow on purpose. Letter B, notice we grow in our purity. Let me read a verse here for you. First Peter 1, verse 22 says this, Seeing ye have purified your souls, and obeying the truth through the Spirit, unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart frequently. Seeing ye have purified your souls, and obeying uh, uh, the truth through the Spirit, each day that the Spirit makes us in His image and likeness, you know what happens? He's making us in the image and likeness of God. You know what happens? We become more and more and more pure. Just think of it this way. Your life and your thoughts and your heart, each day you submit to the Lord and allow Him to make you into the image of Jesus, it's like you're being poured through a filter. And all of the contaminations and impurities are being removed a little at a time. A little at a time. You're becoming more and more like Jesus. Do you know why you become more pure when you look more like Jesus? Because Jesus is pure. The Holy Spirit wants to guide you on how to grow. He wants to guide you to grow in your purity. Let her see and lastly notice, we grow in our patience. We grow in our patience. By the way, under letter A, growing on purpose, if you want to study this deeper... Uh, jot down under that point Galatians 5, 22 through 26. That's a great place to study 
on how to do that. Galatians 5, 4 says this, For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. Let me ask you a question this evening. How many of you are naturally impatient? Would you raise your hand? You're naturally impatient? I am that way. Naturally on my own. If the Holy Spirit isn't bearing the fruit of patience in my life, I could be a very impatient person. You know what I want is that if I go out on the baseball field with Brother Bedat, and he's teaching me how to hit a baseball, in 10 minutes I want to be hitting home runs. Or I become very impatient very quickly. You know what I want is when the pastor preaches or uh, God steps on my toes in my devotions about something and I start making the effort to change and see that success in my Christian life. If I'm not seeing it within a few days or a few weeks, boy, I'm starting to get impatient. Lord, I want this now. And you know what the Christian life is? It's not a sprint. It's a marathon. You've got to learn how to pace yourself. The goal is. That tomorrow you're a little bit more like Jesus than you are today. The goal is tomorrow that you're a little bit more tuned in to the Holy Spirit and His instruction than you were today. And there will come a point in time in your Christian life if you stay at it and you press on the upward way and you continue to work at submitting yourself to the Holy Spirit where everything you do, everywhere you go, everything you know, every way you grow will be the Holy Spirit instructing you and teaching you all along the way. But it doesn't happen from one day to the next. Christian, you've got to be patient. You've got to be patient. You know what a lot of Christians do, I believe, is they take a sermon like this and they walk out the door determined, boy, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit lead me. This is like the eighth or ninth sermon I've preached on the Holy Spirit. And some of you are thinking, Pastor, I've tried this. And I just can't seem to get the victory. And you throw in the towel and you quit. Pastor, I woke up and I read my Bible and I prayed, but and I did that for a few days, but then I, I, I forgot and I didn't happen. I got busy and so I'm, I'm going to quit. You know what you do if you miss one day? You get up the next day and you go right back at it. The Holy Spirit will change you. He will mold you. He will instruct you. He will lead you. But you must grow with patience. The Holy Spirit wants to be your paraclete. He wants to be your instructor. Are you trying to be successful at the Christian life through the power of your sinful flesh? Hold on. Listen, I know, I know I've gone a little longer than normal. Please tune in and listen to this question. Hear the, hear the oxymoronic statement that this is. Because a lot of Christians live this way. Are you trying to be successful at the Christian life Through the power of your sinful flesh. Can I make a confession? I have lived a whole lot of my Christian life trying to be successful at it through the power of my sinful flesh. What a waste of time and energy. Don't do that. The old songwriter put it this way. He said, all is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One come down. You're going to submit and let him lead you, instruct you, on where it is you're to go, what it is that you're to know, how it is that you're to grow. You gonna let him be the instructor? Or are you going to keep tuning in to the wrong radio station of your heart? Christian, let's let the Holy Spirit lead us. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed. Lord, I pray tonight that you would help us God, to allow your spirit that lives within us to have full control. Would you, Lord, help us to go into 
the throne room of our hearts and kick ourselves off of the throne and invite you to sit there and call the shots. Would you help us, Lord, to mortify the deeds of the flesh? And Lord, submit to the Spirit of God, the Spirit of truth. Be our paraclete. Be our instructor. In Jesus' name. With our heads bowed, eyes closed, let's stand. The piano's playing. The altar's open. How about it tonight, Christian? Is he leading you? Is he instructing you? Are you tuned into his voice? Or are you too busy calling the shots to worry about him?